0: Well, uh, it is well. Is it? it? Is well with my soul. I want you to go to uh, Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Matthew chapter twenty-eight. We um, uh, last week we continued on in the commands of Christ, and and uh, the one uh, we're going to today to me is is uh, very interesting, and and I, I hope that it will bless you as much as it does me as I study it and as I worked on it. Uh, this is. Uh, Something that we've been working on and, and, and been going through, I think, now probably 16th or 17th command. Uh, that, and, but we'll take a look at those and review them real quickly. But Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, these have been our text verse for some time. It says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so we are, I'm, my hope is is that as we go through this, that eventually this will just become part of us. We read this verse so much that, that we just sort of memorize it because we've just read it and read it and read it. But, uh, you know, I keep emphasizing that, that all power and, he, you know, he's, he has all power and he's with us all the way. And so uh, that's such an important thing. And, you know, the truth is Jesus is really, really simplistic in his instructions. He just simply says, then go. Go, ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so that's why we're going through the commands of Christ. But it's just very simple. It just says, go and uh, teach them, baptize them and teach them. And and I'll be honest with you, folks, that's a command to every human being, everybody that's ever received Christ, uh, that's the command uh, in some way to go. And that may be go to your neighbor, that may be go to the, somebody at the grocery store, or the service station or wherever, but but to go, that's our command, we're to go. And so uh, now uh, we, we left... Uh, the, uh, off the, the commands of Christ last Sunday night as we looked into verse 12 and chapter 7 of Matthew if you go to chapter 7 of Matthew we were looking at verse 12 and verse 12 was therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you do ye even so to them for this is the law and the prophets and so we, we went through that and we talked about it but I just want to pick up there and and uh, and the fact that this is is so very important Uh, this, this little truth you know, it's the golden rule do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And we talked about how, uh, you know, it was on mother's day last week and that, that, uh, that really is a command that mothers use all the time. I mean, it is always phrased in a different way and taught in a different way, but that's what they're really trying to teach their children, uh, to treat people the way you want to be treated and to be good to them. But one of the things that we noticed is that it was a positive command. Most all the other religions, and I read them off last week, but you go through it, and theirs are all negative. It says, you know, uh, in a sense of, you know, uh, don't do this to to somebody, uh, you know, that uh, so that they won't do it to you, kind of thing. But Jesus's command was different. It was do good to somebody. Uh, You know, the the absence of negative is not enough. God says there need to be a positive, and so uh, now. Uh, so up to this point, everything has been kind of logically following a pattern, and, and I want to I want to show you this. We, you know, we we're going to review it real quickly. The first command that we talked about was repent, and so repent, salvation, repent, repent of disbelief of Christ and believe in Christ. So salvation is foundational. Without that. Uh, Honestly, we got a world out here that's trying to fulfill a lot of commands of the, of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the commands of Christ, trying to fulfill in order to earn their way to heaven. But, but without this first command being fulfilled, uh, the rest of them really are not going to benefit you. Uh, they're, they're not, now, they may help you to have a little bit of a better life in this earth, but, but eternal life is not going to change. Your destination is going to remain the same, which, which is going to be eternity and hell. Uh, if we just try to live a different life. And so the first thing is to repent. The second thing was to follow me. After you've repented, then uh, if you trusted Christ, then you ought to follow Christ. If he really is Christ, then follow him. And then uh, to, to rejoice as you go through the trials and persecutions as you follow Christ. And then let your light shine as you go through these persecutions uh, so that people will see that there's a difference between you and others. And then the next law was uh, to honor God's law, which goes back to Old Testament law, and God says that we've not done away with that. Jesus said honor that law, and so uh, verse six was be reconciled to the others that you have offended. And so we start at this point as God's kind of set the foundation for us with salvation and a relationship with God. Now He's going to start to teach us how to treat other people, and then and so be reconciled to those who have offended. Do not lust. Keep your word. Go to the second mile rather than retaliation and vengeance. So, uh, you know, God is just saying, we ought to treat each other differently. And then he goes, from there, he says, love your enemies and pray for them. He said, I'm teaching you how to treat people. And mostly we're looking at people, we're thinking about the people we get along with. But he says, I'm going to go extreme on you now. Love your enemies. He said, you know, those people that just treat you dirty. Those people that are your enemy, God says you're still supposed to love them. You know, there's a a pastor across the nation, and he's known for the fact that he prays that certain people go die and go to hell. That's not scriptural. That's never scriptural. God says, love your enemies. You know, that's pretty all-inclusive. It, you know, if you love your enemies, then you ought to love everybody else. And so that, that kind of, that's everybody. And so... And, of course, that's what God did. He says, and be you perfect, for he is perfect. That's the 11th command that we dealt with. And of course, that's not perfection as we can walk some kind of perfect life. But it's maturity in, in Christ. And, and, and so uh, we'd be growing in character and discipline. And, so, and then he says, do what you do in sincerity uh, toward God, not in a show to man. And, and talking about prayer and talking about fasting and talking about those kind of things. He said, this ought to be between you and God. It ought to be real in your heart, not a show. Y'all with me right now? You don't mind me reviewing this, do you? But, and then it says, uh, lay up treasures in heaven. And so, uh, and truthfully, if you're really living a true reality of life, relationship with God, what you're doing then is that you're laying up treasures in heaven rather than accumulating things. So many people think if I just get a bigger paycheck, everything's going to be great now. And folks, more money really doesn't change your situation. It doesn't change your spiritual situation. It doesn't change your attitude. You know, the tr- truth is God's got to come into your life. And the amount of money you make is, is, is really not the issue. The real issue is your relationship to Christ. And so now, and then he says, so lay up treasures in heaven. And, and the Lord makes it clear that we need to get our focus to be more on what God knows of us rather than what people think of us. And so uh, then the next one, number 14 was judge not that you be not judged. And again, this talking about vengeance and, and relationships to people that we just, we need to quit seeking vengeance, love your enemies. And therefore, if we love our enemies, we're not seeking vengeance against our enemies. And so... Number fifteen is give not which that which is holy unto the dogs. We talked about that kind of a unique one, but but uh, uh, you know I won't go into it a whole lot here. But but the fact is it's it's really a specific. Challenge, I believe, uh, in the context to about about our family, about our our, our church family, about our own personal family, uh, that we need to protect that which is so vital and precious to us, and not let the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all of their influence, influence our family and our children. And so, uh, the next one was was prayer, asking it shall be given you, and as we, we talked about prayer here, now. Then it appears, all of a sudden, the next command, and here's where we're going to pick up. I'm going to have a word of prayer and we'll pick up. But then it appears that we're going to go back and by the the verse, when you initially read it, the command, you think we're going to revisit salvation again. But yes, that's in this next command, but there's so much more. And I want to pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I ask you for your guidance in, 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 in my thoughts, in my direction, in my mind. And, Lord, I pray that I say only what needs to be said. And, and Lord, I, please cleanse me, forgive me if I've failed you in any way, in anything that uh, might be, as, as you term it, a secret sin, something that I, I didn't even realize that I did. Lord, I pray that you would uh cleanse me of that and and lord make me a vessel that's worthy uh, of being used this morning and spirit of god i yield myself to thee holy spirit of god i need thee and and lord i ask you in the name of jesus that you would bind satan from this place and and every spirit that would try to snatch away the truth and try to bring dissension and try to bring uh chaos and confusion into the hearts of the people lord i pray that you'd be that the, the people as they hear would be, uh, that the minds would be clear and not foggy and that, and that I'd be able to present it in such a way that it would bring clarity to it. But Father, if you don't speak, I, I, have, uh, I have no power of words. So Holy Spirit, I need you to speak through me and guide me. I yield myself to thee in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. So this is a command. This is another command of Christ. He says very, very distinctly, enter ye in the straight gate. Now, in this first uh, portion of this verse, this first verse, it's, it simply says, it's talked about the straight gate and the wide gate. And so, uh, there's going to be a distinction here in these two terms that's going to be talked about here. But there's some key words in this passage. There's the straight gate, the wide gate, the broad way, and the narrow way. These are, these are terms that are very important in this passage but listen, and I hope you understand this, but the most important word, I believe, to kind of give clarity to this passage is a missing word. You say, well, how is that possible? But here's what I want you to understand. When the Lord speaks of eternal or everlasting life, he calls it so. He says so. And you say, why is that important? Because in this passage, he doesn't say that. He says, leadeth unto life. Now, I want you to understand this word life can mean eternal life, but it also can mean temporal or physical life. And so, but when when Christ talks about eternal or everlasting life, he na- we know he is because he says so. And so, here's what I want us to, to look at of here. Uh, the, when the Lord speaks, everything he says, And this word is everything. This is the word of God. This is what Jesus speaks. And so everything he says is vitally important in a way he says it is vitally important. So in this passage, he says that the straight gate and the narrow way lead to life. And so you see that the life worth living must begin with salvation. It's it's is twofold in here. It's, it's not a combination where you have to have the straight gate and the narrow way to have eternal life. He's using one word that's meaning two different things. He's saying the straight gate means one leads you to one life, eternal life. The, the narrow gate leads you to another life that's a temporal life. The narrow way, I'm sorry. And so you see the life worth living must begin with salvation or in these terms the straight gate. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the door. Let me help you. Jesus is the gate, okay? But this door, this is a narrow door, for there's no other way to eternal life but through Jesus. And so he calls it a narrow gate. You know what? Folks, this world and so much of religion wants to throw their arms out and say, this is a wide gate, and you can come in any way you want to come in, however you believe it. Uh, Years and years ago, I I was in a church that we, we grew up in, and and, uh, and I went to the, the preacher one time, because and, and, and I, I was confused, and I, and, I, and I went to him, and I just uh, went in and said, look, I, I, I need to know, is baptism essential to salvation, or is it not? I mean, do I have to be baptized in order to go to heaven? And he looked at, this is what he said to me. He looked at me, he said, he said, Robert, the way I think of it is this, if you believe it is, it is, and if you don't believe it's, it is, it's not. Well, let me help you, folks. We don't have a wide gate like that. You just don't have a wide gate like that. And let me help you right now. No, it is not essential to salvation. It's an act of obedience after you've already been saved. And so Acts 4.10 says this, Be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand here before you hold. Now, I want you to watch this now. This man stand before you whole. Is that eternal life or physical life? Help me now, that's physical life. He's whole right now. He's whole. He's been, he's been healed. And so this is, now verse 11 says, this is a stone which is set at dawn of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given by, among men, whereby men must be saved. Yeah. Uh, We must be saved. So uh, what we, this passage, we see in this passage, the the same command, uh, an illustration of the command we're teaching today. It's talking about the the physical, the temporal at first, because there was a physical healing. He's whole physically. But Jesus also said, but there is an eternal healing. And that's called salvation. And so uh, now... Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. This is so important. Uh, that It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe he's a sinless, perfect son of God? Do you believe that he, he died for your sins? Do you believe that he shed his blood that our sins could be washed away? Do you believe that he was buried and rose from the grave? Do you believe that? And, and, and look, that's God says. Look, watch this. If you believe that, he says, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now, is that perfection? That means when we believe in Jesus, the righteousness of Christ comes in us. And it's what we believe. Now... He says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That means, uh, look, that when we say to Jesus, I believe in you, I accept you, I receive your gift of eternal life, God says, it's done. It's done. Now, he says in verse 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth him shall not be ashamed. Let me help you there. You'll never be ashamed of Christ because what he said he'd do, he will do. And when he said he'll save you, if you would ask him to, he will. If you believe in who he is, if you believe he died for you, if you believe he has risen from the grave for you, if you believe you call upon him and ask him to save you and give you the gift of eternal life, watch this. If you do it, you'll never be ashamed because what he said he'll do, he will do. He will do. do. And then it says this. It says, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord is over uh, over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Uh, Listen, again, God's saying this is for everybody. The Jew and the Gentile, everybody. It doesn't make any difference where you come from. It doesn't make any difference where do you look like. This is the same. This is the only way to heaven for everybody. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A promise. God's promise. Now, this door, Jesus, this is a narrow opening. Because, look, it's either Jesus and him alone. It's either Christ and Christ alone. Or you don't get in. You don't widen that door any more than that. It's Christ and Christ alone. And so this gate is the only way to heaven, and of course, is a straight gate. The straight gate, by definition, is a narrow gate. Now, in order to have this life, Jesus speaks of, it must begin with a straight gate of faith in Jesus Christ. So all this verse, this command begins with walking in. Are y'all with me right now? It all begins with walking in that straight gate, that which by definition is a narrow gate. There's something that's narrowing this, this gate. Well, well, the truth of the word of God narrows it. It, it, it. Look, God says, look, there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved other than the name of Jesus. And so the word of God narrows this, and there's only one way in here. There is no other way. And so you can't rename him. You can't go. You know some other. It, it's one way. And so uh, now, but it begins by entering in this straight gate of faith in Jesus Christ. But it does not end there. This command comes with an explanation of the only alternative to the straight gate, and that's the wide gate, which leads to the broad way. So. Look, God says when you, when you are going to tell God his way is not the right way, and you're going to tell God, no, I believe in a wide gate. What, watch this. What he's saying is you're also going to tell God that how I live is a wide way. I can do whatever I want to. I can, look, if I can do whatever I want to to get saved, if I can make my decision about how to be saved, I can surely make my decision on how to live. And that's what this verse is teaching us. There are two distinct things described here salvation through Christ and Christ alone, that's the straight gate, or the wide gate, which is of works, false religion, cults, which lead to the broad way of living. So there's, God says they're, they're all out there. You got a straight gate of Jesus Christ, or you got a wide gate of saying, you know, there's, there's mega churches that say, you come whatever you want. Whatever you want to believe, however you want, just like that, that pastor told me, if you believe baptism is essential, it is. If you don't believe it, it's not. Folks, it can't be both ways. That's, right. That's insane. It cannot be both ways. And I wouldn't even say, but listen to me. When, that, when he said that to me, something inside my brain said, how can that be? That's right. That's right. Now, one of the most amazing contradictions here, though, is, is this. Those who believe or profess that they believe that they are working their way to heaven so often can lead such non-Christ-like lives. This is amazing to me. I'm not going to name any religions or, you know, den- you know denominations even, but, but there are some that, that honestly, it's just live how you want to and then, and then you know, come, you know, in, in the day, come pay a little bit or come say this or come do that and, and, and you're Okay. No, that's not what God says. That's a wide way. Now, the wide gate leads to those who, uh, who enter into a broad way of hopelessness and ultimate destruction. And this is what they really don't realize is that when you, when you throw the gate open and the gate is wide and you say, Okay, I'm getting salvation in this, this wide gate. And, and, and now I'm going into the broad way of life that's at leading to physical, spiritual, and eternal destruction. But the Scripture says, sadly, so many choose that way. God says many choose that way. Donald's truth is, if you believe in salvation in Christ and Christ alone this morning, that you're part of the few, not the many. You see what it says again, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Many. And you see, that destruction also talks about both the temporal, physical, and the eternal. So you're talking about destruction of your physical life, you're talking about destruction in your eternal life. But verse 14 says, but because but uh, straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way. This is so crucial. The straight gate of salvation is Jesus Christ. Those who enter in the straight gate of Jesus should, f- watch this now, those who enter in the straight, how many of you believe that you should enter in the straight gate of Jesus? Okay then if you enter in the straight gate of Jesus, the Word of God says that now you're supposed to walk the narrow way. Right. And again, forgive me, but this is where everybody rebels today. Yes, it's like, you know, whoa. <laughs> the narrow way? You mean there's, there's something, you know, there's, oh, you're such a negative religion. Well, first of all, we're not a religion. It's called Christianity. And it's called the commands of Christ. And he said, I'm supposed to do all of these things. Now, now he- let, me, let me help you here. I didn't write this. Y'all might think I did, but I didn't. I didn't write this. I didn't say this. Jesus did. And he said, there's a narrow way. Straight gate of salvation is jesus christ. Those who enter the straight gate of jesus should follow the narrow way The narrow way you say what's the narrow way? (laughs) Everything that we've been studying all these commands are part of what narrows our way The narrow way is these commands the principles the precepts the doctrines of the word of god Which will give us life and god says it'll even give you life more abundantly Folks, I mean, it is so funny. Every organization has boundaries and rules. And if you walk in them, look, you, your business, anybody work in here? Okay, a few of you. That's, that's what's happened to our tithes and offerings. The, uh, okay, if you work in here, do they expect you to be there a certain time? Why don't you look at them and say you don't have the right to make that command? Well, guess what they'll look at you and say no we don't we can't force you to come here guess what matter of fact we'll help you you don't come here anymore you know they have they have boundaries that 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 guide them and direct them and 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 narrow their way and and somehow that's okay when you're, do you do anybody ever have children I hope Good night. Nobody even wants to raise their hand in here. (laughs) Look, if you're that embarrassed of them, don't. (laughs) Now look, do you have any guidelines for them? Do you have any boundaries for them? You narrow their way. Why? Because you hate them? No, you're trying to protect them. You're trying to give them life, and in many cases, you're actually trying to give them sustained physical life. Because some of the things that you tell, look, when, when this past winter, when the pond froze over behind our house, we didn't just say, hey, hey, uh, uh, Johnny and David, go test the ice. <laughs> what do we do? I go out there in my 150 plus pounds, and I... And I take it, and when it goes, pop, 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 I go. hi, 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 hi. <laughs> But if I can stand out there, probably those little guys could go run and play all they want to. So they're probably all right. Hello. But I was trying to protect their life. Does that make sense to you? And that's what God is doing. He's giving us all these things. He's saying, look, I'm going to give you these wonderful things. And what he does here, he's coming. He's going to revisit some things to reemphasize some things. We're about to hit it, and i got to hurry. All right, here we go. Uh, What he tries to do, he tries to give us life and give us life more abundantly. The way I always term it, he gives us a life worth living. Because so many people are living a life they don't even want to live. That's why people don't care if they live or die. That's why they drive crazy. That's why they do so many crazy things. It's because they really are living lives that don't have any purpose. They don't have any reason to exist. And if they, it really, it almost death is almost to them they think is going to be an escape. Now this passage is twofold. It speaks of eternity, yes. But it also speaks of the temporal life. The available, abundant Life. Okay, so John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, look what God said. Look, if you come in that that narrow gate by Jesus, he said, you come into me, you're saved. He said, but watch this. You can also, once you come into me and find salvation, you can come in and out and find pasture. You can have this enjoyable life. You can come in and you, you know what he's saying? He said, you can come find under my wings pr- protection. And he said, and when you need to go out into the world, there'll be pasture out there to take care of you. He said, it's going to be okay if you do it. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Yeah. And he's talking about right here and right now. Now, this word life means absolute fullness of life. Folks, look, before I got saved, one of the things that drove me to get saved is that, that I'm sitting here day after day thinking, is this, do I really want to just exist? Do I really want to just live to one day graduate college so that I can go to work, You know, get up in the morning, so I can eat, so I can go to work, so I can come home, so I can eat, so I can go to bed, so I can go to work with no purpose. The only reason I'm working is just so that I can have more to eat, so I can exist another day. Well, when I came to Christ, all of a sudden I realized this is not an existence, this is a life. And the closer I got to Christ, the, real, the more abundant that life became. The straight gate and the narrow way simply means that once you have put your faith in Christ and Christ alone, you should build your house upon true biblical principles. Now, it's so very important. We must be alert to false teachings of false principles that will destroy. Since early in my Christian life, and hopefully you'll understand, I've observed a pattern of those who teach false doctrine. I've seen it. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I, the Holy Spirit's been very good to me. I didn't have anybody to teach me, but, but I, it's been such a joy because I, I kind of feel a little bit of a, a, a common uh, relationship a little bit with, with Paul in the Bible because he, he says you know, for, for three years he was taught by the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, the Holy Spirit, and I didn't even know who he was, but he guided me and taught me so many things. But one of the things that he did was he revealed to me when somebody was teaching false doctrine. And watch this now. He will if you'll listen. You say, how? He'll prick your heart. He'll, he'll I call it the red lights in your head. It's it, it just something will come up. But, but listen to this. I've observed that almost always... Those who teach false doctrine, start with teaching truth. And once you've dropped your guard, they will start to suddenly slip in heresy and false doctrine. They'll do it in their books. They start off their books and they'll be right down the line with you. And then all of a sudden, about halfway through that book, bam, they throw it in there. And they've gotten you going like, oh man, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. They're hoping that you'll just swallow this piece of tainted meat and not even realize what you just swallowed. They do it in their preaching. Uh, th- this is why we must be careful what we read, who we listen to, and what we study. And folks, please do this for me. Be careful. Don't devour everything that's out there. I want to say one more time: everything that's on the internet is not necessarily true. The truth is, it's getting to the point. I'm not sure anything on the internet is true. The great, except me, I'm on it. Right now. Okay, no. The great example of scripture comes from the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 10, 11. It says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These, the Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word Receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether those things were sold. This is another way the Holy Spirit will guide you and teach you whether what you're listening to and who you're hearing is truth. Get in the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach you. Now, the Holy Spirit will prick your heart to false teaching if you simply listen to him. It's such an... Now, I'm going to cl- conclude this in just two or three minutes, but this is such an amazing commandment that comes along just at the right time. You see, we were kind of following this procedure, and all of a sudden now we're going to go revisit salvation, but that, this verse is so much more. You see, it follow, it's followed up by command. Uh, this command we just read is followed up by command, which reinforces the direction of thought of this, this command that we just read. The command that we're just studying. And that's in verse 15. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it's another command. And I'm not going to take much time on it because they're so tied in together. It says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. God says, You shall know them by their fruits. And he goes on to explain that. But, but, but God says, these two, this is so important. These two join together here. And God's trying to make this so clear to us. It's the straight gate, the narrow gate, uh, the, the, the narrow way. He said, these is so important because there's those out there that are false teachers and false prophets that are going to tell you there's a broad way. Now, why is this so important? Because the Lord knew that as we journey, please get, if you wake up any time, wake up now. Why is this command so important and why is it come in right now? Because the Lord knew that as we journey through our lives, it is so human of us to begin to put the wrong emphasis on temporal command. He just gave us a series of commands about how we ought to live. He told us to repent, get saved. And then after that, he says, follow me. And then he starts teaching us uh, how to have a relationship with him and how to have a relationship with others. And he gives us about 16 commands. And he's going to stop right now because he said, you know what, I've given you a bunch of commands. And he said, about now, you're going to start putting more emphasis on the commands than on me. This is, this is it now. This is why he's teaching this. You see, it's a great danger that false teachers will try to confuse us by teaching us uh, to put eternal emphasis on temporal truth. And so, a great danger of saved people like us who, who desire to serve God is that over time we begin to emphasize our works as though they, our works, somehow make us more saved than other people. Now listen to me. God's saying these things are so important because you have a temporal life. But He said, "About now, you've 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 heard so many of these, and I've been teaching this." He said, "But don't get confused with that. Don't confuse the temporal life with the eternal life. A great danger of saved people is that." Uh, as we serve God, and over time, we begin to emphasize our works as though they somehow make us more saved. We may even question the salvation of some who do not keep the commands of Christ the way we do. And I've heard this throughout my whole ministry. Well, you know, if a guy does that, he can't be saved. Really? Let's talk about what you do. That's exactly right. Amen. Yeah, That's exactly right. Tell me, folks, anybody here saved? Yeah. Okay, three of you are. We got a lot of work to do in this church. Look, if you say, now, now tell me this. Have you ever had a bad day? Yeah. Linda, you didn't even have to wave your hand. <laughs> Listen to me. Have you ever had, you ever said something you shouldn't say? Did something you shouldn't do? Got angry, got upset. Hello? Yeah. Well, you must not be saved. no, but, but I don't do it. You don't? I guess your sin smells good to God. Hmm? That's what he's doing here. He's saying, whoa, now, wait a minute. He's going to give us a command. And he's making the distinction between the eternal. He said, make it clear. He says, the straight gate. The straight gate, let's get this through. The straight gate is your way of salvation. And that's why he doesn't mention the the narrow way at the beginning. The first verse just mentions the straight gate, then goes into the the, the broad gate, into the, the broad way. He said, because let's get it down. Salvation is through the straight gate. Now, if you're going to have a life worth living on this earth, there's a narrow way. But don't you start putting eternal emphasis on the narrow way. Now, here. Here's what happens. We get, as we grow and as we start to eliminate things, or we start to sit down, we allow allow God's commands to make, to narrow our way, we start to think everybody else ought to narrow just like we do and the truth is i think all of us should walk the same narrow way if we were all exactly perfectly spiritual according to christ's commands but who is so we're all going to be at different places. We're all going to be walking a little bit different. But as we grow, we can begin to put too much emphasis. And we can c- c- start going back to our problem areas. We start condemning and judging people because they don't live the, uh, on a certain area like we do. Or we'll start, or they'll start saying, well, you know, if you really got saved, he wouldn't be doing that. Now watch this. Why would, why would Christ have to command something? Listen to me. Why would he command something if these were instinctive and immediate result of salvation? If the moment I got saved, I'm perfect. Why would Christ command me this? Why would he give us all these commands? I'm waiting for somebody to answer. Now so, Jesus very simply paused here for a moment to make sure we refocus on the real issue. The gate and the way are two distinctly different things. The narrow way, listen to this please, the narrow way is not sufficient without the straight gate. So, today, here's our challenge from this command let us all reassess, one, have we truly entered in the straight gate if you came to a gate that was an inch wider than it was supposed to be because you kept hold on something that you thought was going to help you get to heaven then that wasn't a straight gate it's jesus and him alone your baptism will not help you go to heaven and if you think it does you just broaden the gate. Your church membership will not help you go to heaven. If you think it does, you just tried to widen the gate. Your good works will not help you go to heaven. And being better than somebody else, and can I tell you, even Jesus said, why callest thou me good? You know, it's a shame when we call ourselves good. Because there's none good. No, not one. We're all in need of a Savior. Are we putting the narrow way in front of the straight gate instead of in its rightful place? And that's what's happened to so much of religion. We've put the narrow way. Oh, well, I've got to walk the narrow way in order to get in the gate. No, it's the straight gate that allows you to walk the narrow way. Now, now, say the life for Christ, when you live a life for Christ, in Christ, that life is in reality a gift to us. It's not earning us anything. It's a gift so that we might not only have eternal life, but through Christ, we might have an abundant life in Christ. Does that make sense to everybody? So what do you believe in? What do you believe in? We say, well, I was Christ and Christ alone, but what are you holding on to that, that, well, surely I had to do that? Let me ask you this. When you fail and you falter, is your immediate thought, I must not be saved? Well, there's two reasons that you feel that way. Either Satan is just trying to tell you a lie, and you ought to believe God. But, but there's another reason. Another reason is, were you bringing something in? Were you walking in a more, a widened gate because you brought that with you through the gate? It's such a narrow gate that it's you, only you, empty-handed, will fit through it. You try to bring any goodness with you, your backpack's not making it. You try to bring your uh, your salvation through your baptism, you try to bring baptism, it won't fit through that gate. You try to bring your church membership, it won't fit through that gate. You try to bring your morality, it won't fit through that gate. It's Jesus and him alone. Now once you've stepped in that gate, he says... Oh, you're expecting just to be able to party. He said, no, nah, it's a narrow way. And I've given you commands and precepts and principles and teachings and doctrine. that 's going to narrow it. But it's not to hurt you. It's It's so, truthfully, you can party. This is the only real party you can have. We're wanting to run all over and get in this mess and get hurt. And if I try to run across these pews, I'll fall and break my neck just like I did the other night. I was walking out, go take my prayer walk. I'm going to do something good. I missed the bottom step. Look at me, I've been wounded. <laughs> I took head first dive down onto the concrete. You know what the worst part is? Nobody could hear me crying. <laughs> Nobody came to help me and be sympathetic. I had to crawl back in myself. It's, it's a, shut up. <laughs> It's a protective. That means you can come down through. Ah, going good. You know why? Because it's a great life. It's a joyful life. It's an exciting life. And I don't have to wake up miserable. Father, I pray that you bless our people, Lord. If there's anybody in this room that's been holding on to anything, something that they felt like